Despite previous evidence to suggest that arthroscopic surgery does not improve symptoms associated with osteoarthritis of the knee, the procedure continues to be a common treatment for arthritis. Now, new data is backing up data from past research on arthroscopy. Going forward, how will this development impact practice? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon, and our guest is Dr. David Felsen, Professor of Medicine and Epidemiology at the Boston University School of Medicine and Public Health. Welcome, Dr. Felsen. Thanks. Dr. Felsen, the results of this study suggest that arthroscopy may not really be the panacea in addressing arthritis of the knee. So how does surgery compare to a regimen of physical therapy and medication? Well, surgery doesn't add anything to the efficacy of medication and physical therapy. and Those other modalities really ought to be the mainstay of treatment for knee osteoarthritis, not arthroscopic surgery at any rate. Well, give us some history on, on how arthroscopic surgery began and what they did in the knee arthroscopically. Well, for many years, orthopedists have gone into the knee and trimmed around the edges where things were torn, extruding, or little areas needed to be shaved down and smoothed. And in addition, the surgeons would often lavage the joint with some saline or other material in order to remove what might be bad humors or degradation products of the joint, thinking that that might help. That was done in thousands, perhaps even hundreds of thousands of patients with knee arthritis over the years, and two trials have now shown that it really is not effective. What about the clinical results they had anecdotally from each of their patients? Did the patients generally improve from their procedure? Well, it depends on who you talk to and how that outcome was measured. Many surgeons have insisted that their patients felt better, but when those outcomes were quantified in a prospective fashion, oftentimes patients improved transiently, and then after a month or two would be back to where they were prior to having any arthroscopy. Now, if you think about this from a common horse sense perspective, you go into a joint, it's got rough edges, it has debris, you smooth it out, you lavage it, you make the surfaces look nicer. You would think just that this would help. Why doesn't it help at all? It doesn't help because osteoarthritis is mechanically driven by and large. It's a consequence of areas of the joint being excessively loaded by dynamics that really are outside the joint, within the joint environment usually, things like malalignment and the failure of muscle coordination to smoothly coordinate excursion of joints. The reason arthroscopy works only transiently is that the process of osteoarthritis is one driven by pathology and the mechanics of the joint so that the joint environment is really aberrant. There's a malalignment often across the joint. There's a failure of smooth excursion of muscles across the joint when the joint is used. And those factors aren't changed by anything the arthroscopist does. And they reassert themselves as the primary cause of problems after the arthroscopy is over. So while that smoothing process and the lavage help maybe for some days or even a few weeks, the process that drove the pathology recurs and the pathology subsequently recurs, leading to pain. And that's why the arthroscopy really does not have long-term beneficial effects. Well, what specifically is the pathogenesis for the pain in a knee joint with osteoarthritis? Well, no one is entirely sure what the pathogenesis for pain is. 
although we currently think that there are several different structures where pathology in those structures is the source of pain or generates the pain. One of them is the synovium, which becomes inflamed, at least modestly in in many patients with osteoarthritis and can cause pain. And we have longitudinal data from studies now that suggests that synovium actually changes and becomes more inflamed when people get pain and becomes less inflamed when the pain remits or gets a little bit better. Other lesions in the joint, such as lesions in the bone marrow, where the bone marrow may get damaged by that excess loading and that damage may create some kind of process of inflammation or remodeling within the bone. Those are also associated with the development of pain and osteoarthritis. Because the loading of the bone is what seems to cause those bone marrow lesions, it wouldn't be expected that any kind of arthroscopic intervention would affect that. While the smoothing of the joint and getting rid of detritus might relieve the synovium's need to ingest all that junk that's present in osteoarthritic synovial fluid, all that junk and all the detritus recurs as the joint damage recurs, therefore accounting for the fact that arthroscopy might help for a few weeks, but not for much after that. What was the reception by the practicing medical community about this new data? Well, let me clarify first. I'm not an orthopedist. I'm a rheumatologist by training. These data confirmed a lot of what we in rheumatology have suspected for a long time because we've seen many patients who've, had un- who've undergone these procedures and returned to us not a whole lot better. I can't speak necessarily to what the orthopedic community felt after seeing this study, although they were already familiar with the earlier arthroscopy study that had shown little effect. So in other words, in the rheumatology literature, they never were greatly in favor of arthroscopy to do these type of procedures for osteoarthritis? No. And in addition, we've done studies of lavage itself for treatment of osteoarthritis, and that treatment is also not very long-lasting in terms of its efficacy. Do you think that there are any patients that would benefit from this procedure? Yeah, there probably are some patients that would benefit from the procedure. And the editorial that was in the New England Journal accompanying the arthroscopy trial raised a couple of examples, one of which was a patient with osteoarthritis who happened to have a tear in his or her meniscus and a lot of other typical changes of osteoarthritis in the joint and would really not be a good candidate for arthroscopy because the meniscal tear was probably just a function of aging and the osteoarthritic process. On the other hand, there's the patient, perhaps older, who has a sudden injury, maybe a twisting injury, and immediately thereafter develops pain and swelling in the knee and may not be able to move their knee normally as a consequence of that injury. That sounds like a meniscal tear, and if on MRI, a meniscal tear is present, along with maybe some mild changes of osteoarthritis, that patient might well benefit from an arthroscopy in which the orthopedic surgeon goes in and takes out the part of the meniscus that's torn and can't be repaired. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and our guest is Dr. David Felsen, Professor of Medicine and Epidemiology at the Boston University School of Medicine and Public Health. We're discussing the utility of arthroscopic surgery for osteoarthritis-related knee pain. Dr. Felsen, we recognize that Medicare did stop payments on this procedure some years ago. What impact did this have? I'm honestly not sure. I've heard from different sources that the 
frequency of arthroscopic surgery for osteoarthritis has gone down. But I must tell you that in my own practice, where I see a lot of osteoarthritis patients, I have still seen the operation as a popular one. I've seen patients who are getting it, and I think it's probably not indicated. Well, let me ask you a very direct question. Many patients go to their primary care physician and they say, well, I have uh, arthritis, I presume, in my knee. Should I go to a rheumatologist or should I go to an orthopedic surgeon? How do you answer that question? I think you should go to whatever doctor you feel helps you. Sometimes orthopedists, because they are trained in understanding the biomechanics of osteoarthritis, are more knowledgeable about the disease process than many rheumatologists are. To the extent that you can refer to an orthopedist who is thoughtful and not only about surgery for osteoarthritis, but about other modalities of treatment like bracing or orthotics and may refer patients to physical therapists, I think that kind of practitioner would be terrific. To the extent that rheumatologists have in their diagnostic and treatment repertoire all of those similar skills, know about using bracing, feel comfortable with interacting with physical therapists, and can call on their knowledge of anti-inflammatory treatment, then I think the rheumatologist is the right referral direction. It's hard to know. It depends a little bit on what doctors you have available to you as potential places to refer patients. Well, let's talk about the patient that comes to your office as a rheumatologist with osteoarthritis of the knee, and you talk about a regimen of physical therapy and medication. Could you expand upon that, please? I tend to start patients off on analgesic medications. If they've already failed analgesics and tried them on a regular basis, such as high-dose acetaminophen, then I will switch them to an as-needed anti-inflammatory medication with the availability of topical nonsteroidals, which we don't have widely available yet in the United States, that will become a more popular option for us because topical nonsteroidals have less toxicity to the stomach than do oral versions of the same. Tell us about that, please. Well, they've gone through an FDA approval process, but they haven't been released to the public yet. So I think they're widely available in Europe and in the United Kingdom, and they're popular there, and I think they will become popular in our country also. And these topical anti-inflammatory agents are absorbed satisfactorily through the skin to give better analgesia than orally taken nonsteroidals? No, they don't give better analgesia than orally taken nonsteroidals. They give analgesia that's almost equivalent and sometimes a little bit inferior. But the good news about these medications is that they're safer than oral nonsteroidals, at least to the stomach. They really don't cause many stomach troubles either symptomatically or in terms of erosions or ulcers in the stomach. Are there any other medications in your armamentarium for this? Yes. I use oral anti-inflammatory medications a lot in my practice, and I try to steer patients toward ones that, in my view, are less dangerous to the stomach, or in patients where I'm worried about that risk, I couple those medications with gastroprotective agents like proton pump inhibitors or others. And what about steroids? Do you ever use them? Steroids are Really, in in terms of oral steroids, they're not indicated for the treatment of osteoarthritis, whereas intraarticular steroids are effective for short-term treatment in osteoarthritis of the knee and hip. They're actually quite effective in short-term situations where the patient's had a flare. Some patients benefit from intraarticular steroids for a longer term, and by short-term and long-term, I think I mean one to two weeks, and then longer-term is several months. So, Studies have suggested that the average benefit for intraarticular steroids is about two weeks. 
And then after that, patients have no more benefit than if they'd gotten a placebo injection. What kind of physical therapy regimen do you use for these patients? It depends on what their problem is. If they have knee problems and it's primarily in the patella or patellofemoral disease, giving them problems going up and down stairs or sitting for a prolonged period of time, I will work with them on quadriceps strengthening exercises and may prescribe for them bracing of the patella or even taping of the patella. And I will refer to physical therapists who can also provide those treatments and teach the patients how to use them at home. So in looking at this whole picture, can we say that the evidence at this point in time really should be perceived as not having any patient that has osteoarthritis of the knee being treated with arthroscopic debridement or lavage? Yes, I think there's extremely strong evidence from excellent, well-done, randomized trials, two of them, that both show the same thing, that arthroscopic surgery is not efficacious for the treatment of knee osteoarthritis, and I think we shouldn't be doing it. Let me ask you, uh, I know you're not an orthopod, but are these procedures still being done at this time? I'm hoping that the most recent evidence has persuaded many of the surgeons who continue to do this surgery that really they're not helping patients by doing it. Do you present your data in joint conferences with both orthopods as well as rheumatologists? I do, and I'm fortunate to interact with orthopedists who are very open-minded and critical about what they do in the operating room and willing to weigh evidence pro and con. Just to be the devil's advocate, have you come across any orthopods who, at least from their clinical experience, say that this is not the case? That the surgery works? Yes. After the initial trial that showed no effect of arthroscopy, there was a large community of orthopods who were vociferous in advocating this surgery and its efficacy. We all heard them. I am not familiar with any that are making a similar case now. Part of the reason for that may be that the second trial was done to try to resolve concerns that were expressed about the initial trial because there were certain limitations about the initial trial that orthopedists genuinely had concerns that the data from the original trial was persuasive. I want to thank our guest, Dr. David Felson. We've been discussing the utility of arthroscopic surgery for osteoarthritis-related knee pain. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please call us toll-free at 888-MDXM-157. And thank you for listening.